This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. The Annie Fry Show YouTube live chat poll of the day is sponsored by Ruler Foods. Low prices, no coupons. Ruler Foods. That is exactly what I needed to hear. Thank God someone here knows what they're talking about. That's us. That's right. Gotta love this American ride. Right, you need to take the time and get the full picture. Don't get me wrong. I love the ladies. I mean, they rev my engine. But they don't belong in the newsroom. It is anchor man, not anchor lady. What do you want from me? I'm not a married to sweetheart. Goodness sake, Seth. Keep your voice down. Your father's listening to the radio. I'm not a married to sweetheart. This is the Annie Fry Show. So it's now off to New Hampshire, a great place. We won it last time, and uh, we won it both times. And uh, we love it. The people are great. But you know, the truth is, the people in our country are great. They're all great. uh, We love Iowa, but they're all great. They only want to see one thing. They want our country to come back. They're embarrassed by what's going on. Our country is laughed at. All over the world, they're laughing at us. And they want our country to come back. They want America. You know, they want us to be great again. It's a very simple MAGA, make America great again. So President Trump, former President Trump, potentially the next president of the United States, wins the Iowa caucus with about 52 percent of the vote. And when you compare what the results were in Iowa to what the polls said that they were going to be, they were pretty close. Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, both within the margin of error of most polls, and they performed pretty much the way the polls said that they were going to perform. And I would say that's a little refreshing, unusual. I don't know that if I'm going to turn myself completely over to the idea that those polls are going to be gospel at this point, but a bit refreshing that what we've been led to believe is actually the way it turned out. Welcome to the Annie Fry Show. We covered a lot of Iowa caucus prep yesterday here on the show. Brad and I did, and we are excited to finally have some results. Uh, let's listen in here as it was officially So called. based on the first results and our Fox News voter analysis, the Fox News decision desk can now project that former President Donald Trump 
will win the Iowa caucuses. He will take uh, the lion's share of the state's 40 delegates. This result really solidifies his place as the current frontrunner for the nomination. Uh, former governors Haley, former Governor Haley and Governor DeSantis fighting for second. And this is really going to maybe last a while because it's a close race right now, how we see it based on the numbers we're looking at. So were you surprised by that? Because the one thing that I can sort of liken this to this other situation scenario might be a little more abrupt was in 2018 midterm election. We're doing election coverage here on 97.1. The studio's packed with people. Uh, it's the evening. 97.1 is a buzz with everything that's going on. I walk in the door to take my spot in the studio along with the uh, with our cohort cohorts here on 97.1 for that coverage. I didn't even make it around the desk here for them to project J.B. Pritzker as the governor of Illinois, which was what I was really hanging my hat on. I was really hoping, hoping, hope against hope that Rauner would pull it out at the end. And I mean, it was such a trouncing that it was basically the first election called when the central time zone uh, polls closed. It was devastating at that time. And, and honestly, I can say I'll follow up with that and say it's been devastating for Illinois every day since. Last night, sitting down in my chair, getting ready for the first night of actual real results in the 2024 election cycle. And boom, there it is. Donald Trump projected the winner of the caucus. I'm very curious about the timing of the call, the notifications that went out. There are a lot of reports of people who were inside polling places, caucus areas that were in the process of voting. And, you know, I think that if you're looking at races that took place maybe in the state of Arizona or other places, if if races were being called and, and pro- winners being projected and those races come down to be such a small margin of victory, that makes an impact. It might not. It's just I don't think that that call necessarily would have changed the outcome of first place. But second and third were pretty close. And it just kind of makes me wonder why that happens the way it did. It seems like there should be some sort of journalistic integrity uh, to where nobody's allowed to call a race until X amount of time or confirmation that all the polls are closed. I don't know. Just seems bizarre. It seems as though these types of instances happen where if if you can project a winner, if you've got, you know, in, in an actual general election, if it's looking like a pretty strong sweep from the East Coast into the central time zones before you get to mountain time and Pacific time, you can kind of decide some things before the close on the Pacific Coast even actually close. I don't know what the solution is. I'm going to ask our friend Tyler Boyer about it. He's an RNC national committeeman. He's the chief op- op- chief operating officer of Turning Point Action as well. Um, he's going to be with us at 125. He's been with us before. He is very well-versed in these kinds of things. He's also in Arizona located, so he's paying very close attention to how these elections are run and the way that they are uh, presented and called and all of that. So if you have questions about that, We will get to the bottom of it with Tyler Boyer at 125. Watching President Trump last night speak after his victory was very much so what I've been hoping to see from Donald Trump on this campaign trail. 
listening to him address the situation at hand, talk about Joe Biden, who I want to be the person who we're focusing our attention on. And I understand the muck that you have to go through in a primary in order to get to the place where you can focus on uh, Joe Biden as as the guy. I understand that. But I feel as though the emphasis that has been made on just all out slandering Ron DeSantis in, in the stupidest possible ways. I mean, the, the juvenile ways with which the Trump campaign has worked to attack Ron DeSantis backed up with a ton of money is incredibly annoying to me. I can be tracking. This is just my personal experience. And some of y'all are going to say, Annie, grow some thick skin. I've got some pretty thick skin, but I'm just telling you honestly where I am because there's a lot of people who listen to the show who tell me the exact same thing. So I think it's important for me to say it out loud. When, when Donald Trump is throwing lobbing bombs and, and, you know, talking about what he would do versus what Joe Biden is doing and he's being aggressive with it. I don't mind that at all because we have a common opponent in those conversations when he starts to move into his primary opponents and he says, he says one of the stupid names he's given Ron DeSantis. I'm out. I mean, it's that simple. I'm just out because I don't feel as though the nicknames are A, necessary, or B, they're not accurate. So it frustrates me. It bothers me. That's just the truth of it. It doesn't stop me. I'm not so thin-skinned that it's going to stop me from voting for him and trying to support Joe Biden. I mean, knock it off if you think that that's... When somebody criticizes Donald Trump for doing something that they don't like in this regard, listen to those people because they're not saying that they don't support Donald Trump. They're saying there's something that Donald Trump does that they don't prefer they don't like. There's nothing wrong with that. We need to be able to have that discourse. Last night, Trump didn't do it. And what I'm seeing a lot of and hearing a lot of is people commending him for a really nice speech after he won the the Iowa caucus. He decisively won the Iowa caucus. He didn't take that opportunity to dunk on his primary opponents. He squarely focused on two things, gratitude and Joe Biden. And these, this, is the way, this is the way Trump wins. This is refreshing for me. This is refreshing for me enough that I can read the tea leaves. I know that Ron DeSantis' path towards victory here is uh, only through a few sorts of mishaps, which Vivek Ramaswamy in his concession speech last night said, you know, the only path for us here involves circumstances that he doesn't want to see happen. I don't see Ron DeSantis having a pathway to 2024 victory that isn't barring something incredibly unusual. And I can admit that, and I still like Ron DeSantis, and I still hope that he's going to be my president, but I can also face reality and know that Donald Trump's going to be the nominee, and I want Donald Trump to win, and I know that Donald Trump, of those three, Trump, Haley, and DeSantis, I think Trump is going to have the hardest time pulling off victory in November. That doesn't mean I don't think he can, and it doesn't mean that I won't vote for him. But I think he poses there are some challenges that are completely out of his control, that are completely unfair, and there are a few that are within his control. I am a suburban woman. That is a very valuable commodity in the Trump campaign because apparently he has problem 
problems with suburban women. And I don't like the fact that suburban women are always painted as these emotional, thin-skinned people who once Donald Trump says something that is, uh, you know, I'm just going to use the easy word here, mean, that they just crumble and boo-hoo and then go vote for the hard-on-the-sleeve liberal that's running for office. That's not the way it is. Because those suburban women care about a few incredibly important things. And I discussed this yesterday with uh, Kaylee McEnany. I've got a 14-year-old son. He'll be 15 at the end of this year, which means the next president, the person who wins the election in November of 2024, will be the president when my son turns 18. And if the world is on fire the way that it is right now when my son turns 18, that commander-in-chief means a hell of a lot to me. Putting my son in a position to serve in a military that looks like Biden's military compared to serving in a military that looks like Trump milita- Trump's military, that is an easy decision for me. And if Donald Trump is going to call somebody a name, that's not going to stop me from using my head and being sensible in the way that I'm going to cast my vote. But it's also not going to make me shut my mouth and say that, okay, yeah, I like it. I like it. All right. I accept it. I was wrong. He was right. Those nicknames, those funny nicknames, they're funny. They don't make me mad. I can say whatever I want to say, and suburban women know that. You got to listen to them. You got to understand what makes them tick. You got to understand that an unsecure border and fentanyl creeping into the homes of suburban Uh, families right now is a huge freaking deal. And if you're going to have somebody who's going to be the commander in chief and completely abdicate his responsibilities at the southern border, that's going to be a problem to a mom who doesn't want that fentanyl finding its way into the one bad decision that your child makes that ends up killing them in their bedroom at night. That matters to suburban moms. The idea that a suburban mom might might want to control the, the, the moral and ethical ethical, cultural initiatives that are being snuck into classrooms across the country. How you might want to handle those uh, tender situations in a way in your home that might be different than the people in the home next to you. And you're okay with the fact that the people in the home next to you do things differently than you, but you still want to retain the right to do them differently in your home. When you have a, when you have a, uh, a president of the United States and a Department of Homeland Security who wants to say that you and your Catholic faith makes you a domestic terrorist and put you on some kind of list, yeah, I got a big problem with that. And yeah, I'm still a suburban mom. I'm still a suburban, middle-aged, white woman living in the suburbs, college-educated, Christian home, and I'll still vote for Donald Trump. I've got no problem with it. If I've got criticisms along the way, folks, I got criticisms for everything. The idea that somehow or another Donald Trump is going to become the perfect candidate and change everything that he's going to do to align, to appease one subsect of people, that's not realistic. Criticisms are going to abound everywhere. And what Donald Trump did last night to me, I need at least two consecutive speeches like this to feel like it was intentional. But what I heard from Donald Trump last night was gratitude. He thanked his family. He talked about how his family is being persecuted and dealing with a lot of abuse, but still they show up, they work hard, they're fighting for this campaign, they have jobs of their own. He listed his children. He talked about his wife and how much he loved his wife. He talked about his wife's late mother and how wonderful she was. He talked about family. 
And while the Fry family may not be rolling quite like the Trump family, there are elements of the way they treat family, prioritize family, and, and deal in a cohesive family unit that I appreciate and respect. I, I, I can feel the comments right now without even reading them, talking about how many wives that Donald Trump has had. And that that's supposed to be something that offends suburban women. Do you know any divorced suburban women? The double standard that the left has successfully been able to hold the right is something that we need to burst through and just ignore. Just push away. We're all going to have the things about Donald Trump that we like. And the number one thing about Donald Trump that we like is that he cares about the freedom, the liberty, the independence that exists in we, the people that run the country where the president of the United States serves those people. He understands the idea of freedom. More than anybody else in my lifetime that I have watched serve in that office. He's pushed away the status quo, the, the modus operandi of how the swamp functions in Washington, D.C., and he has made it so that the American people are able to enjoy the blessings that abound in a capitalistic society that we are unashamed of, prioritizing our country first so that we can best help those around us without shame. The Biden administration became the Biden administration by telling us to hate one another, by pointing out every difference that we have with one another, by talking about a hierarchy of victimhood and using it against us so that at the end, nobody is a hero, everybody is a victim. You just got to know what order you stand in so that you can know who you've oppressed and who's oppressed you. And once we all hate each other and once we all know which corners to run through, he goes to the Oval Office and he acts as though he's going to be the adult in the room, bring us together, unite us. And then he never even attempts to do it. Every day in office for Joe Biden has been another day to divide. And they do that with which they accuse the Trump campaign every single day as a foundational element to how they retain power, because that is all that matters to them. Power and more power, power that breeds power. It's time that it ends. Now, I think Ron DeSantis is going to stay in this race for a couple more uh, cycles here, a couple more weeks. And I want Ron DeSantis to drop out. And I put this on Twitter last night. I wish Ron DeSantis would have come out last night and said, you know what? It's clear. A majority mandate in Iowa say Donald Trump is our guy. And I think that I've built the fabric of my foundation in a very America first way. And I understand that there's not a pathway for me to get this nomination. And it's important that we stick to the America First agenda, which is why I'm throwing my support behind Donald Trump. That's what I wanted to hear him say. But there's a reason why he's likely not going to do that for a while, because if he drops out, then Nikki Haley becomes the two-person race that she said very, very strangely last night that this is. Tonight, Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. What in the world is she talking about? A two-person race? The idea that this is a two-person race and she came in third? What does that even mean? 
It becomes a two-person race if Ron DeSantis drops out. So now Ron DeSantis, not as the person vying for the actual nomination, Ron DeSantis becomes useful to Donald Trump. And I think that this is pretty clear to anybody who's paying attention in both of those camps. I will be looking for Donald Trump to ease off Ron DeSantis. I will be looking for Ron DeSantis to suspend his campaign, throw the full weight of his support and his supporters behind Donald Trump. And I would expect it to be after South Carolina. Because Ron DeSantis will pull from Nikki Haley's support in New Hampshire. That will help Donald Trump. So I think Ron DeSantis sticks around for a while, even though I wish that we could just get to the the business of the year and focus on Joe Biden. Ron DeSantis will need to remain for some time in order to marginalize Nikki Haley. Vivek Ramaswamy is out. And it is now a three-person race. We want to know what you think about This year, this election year in Donald Trump, the YouTube live chat poll for today is, are we experiencing deja vu Trump? Yes, Trump 2016. Yes, Trump 2020. Or no, this is a whole new animal. If you go to the Annie Fry YouTube channel, you can vote and tell us what you think and why you feel that way. A lot of people last night saying this is 2016 all over again. And for every one of those, it felt like I saw someone who was saying 2020. Let us know what you think. We're going to be back with more uh, reaction to the Iowa caucus in just a few minutes. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. I want to congratulate Ron and Nikki for having a, a, good, a good time together. We're all having a good time together. And uh, I think they both actually did very well. I really do. I think they both did very well. We don't even know what the outcome of second place is. And uh, I see Carrie Lake. Congratulations, Carrie. I spotted her, I have to announce, because she's terrific. She's going to be a senator, a great senator, I predict, right? You're going to be a great senator. And I also want to congratulate Vivek because he did a hell of a job. He came from 
zero, and he's uh, got a big percent, probably 8%, almost 8%, and that's a, an amazing job. They all did. They're all very smart, very smart people, very capable people. So Donald Trump last night in his uh, speech after the Iowa caucus had been completed and he took a little bit of time to come out there. And I don't think that they I guess they hoped that they would be able to call it that quickly, but they didn't have a ton of people in the room when it was called. So there was no big hurrah when Donald Trump was named the winner because the room wasn't full of people yet. It was that quickly. I would like to know what you think about this. We're going to read some of the comments on the Annie Fry YouTube uh, chat poll right now. Are we experiencing deja vu Trump? Yes. 20, Trump 2016? Yes. Trump 2020 or no? If you want to give us a call, I'll take a few phone calls here, which we don't do very often, but it's the day after we vote and I want to know what you think about the results. So the number is 314-241-9797. Call us at 314-241-9797 and you can tell us what you think. If this is Trump 2016, Trump 2020, or you don't think that this is anything that we've seen before, give us a call and we'll have you on for a minute or two. 314-241-9797. Some of the comments coming in right now from our listeners. Jesse says, I voted no. It's going to be Trump. But this time we all know he has the best shot at it. Hands down, he will win. Thanks to Biden and his corrupt Justice Department. Russell says, Yes, it's deja vu all over again. Left media is going bananas. Ain't that the truth, Russell? With the Trump win, refuse to air Trump's speech. Shocker that they dictate what the viewer needs to watch based on their opinion. Is there a more obvious elitist mentality from what we saw last night from the left? That on MSNBC, they won't carry this speech live because they just can't trust Donald Trump. Um, at this point in the evening, the projected winner of the Iowa caucuses um, has just started giving his victory speech. Uh, we will keep an eye on that as it happens. Uh, we will let you know if there's any news made in that speech, if there's anything noteworthy, something substantive and important. Um, the reason I'm saying this is, of course, there is a reason that we and other news organizations have generally stopped giving an unfiltered live platform to remarks by former President Trump. It is not out of spite. It is not a decision that we relish. It is a decision that we regularly revisit. Um, and honestly, earnestly, it is not an easy decision. But there is a cost to us as a news organization of knowingly broadcasting untrue things. That is a fundamental truth of our business and who we are. And so his remarks tonight will not air here live. We will monitor them um, and let you know about any news that he makes. <laughs> she, again, she, she just talked there for a minute. It took her about 40 seconds to even say Donald Trump's name. She said something to the effect of the person who won the Iowa caucus is about to speak. Say his name. Say it. Say it out loud. Trump. Donald Trump. Former President Donald Trump, possibly future President Donald Trump. It gives them a rash to even consider the fact that that might be a possibility. And if, if, if they actually think, imagine this. Think about how much footage they have shown from January 6th. Think about how much they've used the images, the words, the... You know, caution for folks at home, but these these images are very hard to take in. That type of stuff. When they're putting January 6th stuff out there on the regular, talking about an insurrection 
a, a takeover of our country and talking about everything that they feel went into it, pounding it into your head over and over. Again, stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. There's nobody who's going to change their mind on January 6th right now. I was thinking about this on the way into work today. Because January 6th came up. It's, it's always something that is lurking about. If you talk about January 6th to 100 people that you know, my guess is that to 100 people, it will be considered a political conversation. All of them. We'll look at it through the lens of politics. If you speak about 9-11 to somebody, somebody who was alive to see that unfold, somebody who experienced it, whether they knew somebody who was in the tower or not, it is one of the most personal stories that a person can tell if they were alive to experience September 11th. If you have that conversation with somebody and you were both alive, maybe in completely different places, to experience September 11th, there is an emotional connection that you have from sharing the experience of living through September 11th. There is hurt, there is sorrow, there is pain. Every September 11th, when those images come back up on the screen, You feel it again. It rushes over you. It consumes you for that amount of time. And you feel compelled to go through it every year because it's so important to understand what happened to the United States that day. Nobody feels that way about January 6th. The people who are peddling it don't feel that way about January 6th. The people who are peddling it know that it might be great political capital to expend in an election year to manipulate people into supporting a candidate that retains or grows power on one particular side. It is, in, it is patently offensive to hear anybody ever articulate January 6th and September 11th in the same breath even in the same thought, because they are nothing alike. Now, there are a lot of things that happen in our country on a day-to-day basis that are bad. So to suggest that January 6th and September 11th aren't the same isn't to say that January 6th was good. And only rubes would be out there trying to connect those types of words to say any has no problem with January 6th. That reaction to what I just said is political. Because you're trying to make a political point because that's, at the end of the day, all that this is worth. But if you look what these same people who are so protective of your teeny, tiny little brains and your, your very manipulatable hearts and emotions, if we subject you to Donald Trump, we don't think that you have the brain capacity to understand how bad that would be for us. So we're not going to show you. That's the summation of it. It's disgusting. It's gross. It's oozing with elitism, which is funny because that's the type of thing they used to be able to project on the left 
from the left to the right. And it took the wealthiest Republican in the land, or one of them, to come out like the Kool-Aid man, the orange Kool-Aid man, through the wall to say, here I am, I'm really rich, I'm really wealthy, I'm very popular, and I'm a Republican. To make them all contort themselves into this knot, and they don't know what to do with it. They cannot untie themselves. Donald Trump has tied them into a knot that they cannot untie. Still. And as they work to get untied, they get even more convoluted in the mess. So what they do is they ironically build a wall between you and the actual information of what's going on there because your little pea brains can't listen to Donald Trump and decide for your little insignificant selves what Donald Trump is actually saying. Because I know that Donald Trump comes out here and he says nice things about his opponents. Hmm. And he talks about getting America to the point where it is great. Hmm. And you might think that he did a good job, but you need to understand that he is a threat to the status quo, the power, the structure, the relationships that are in play right now. He's a threat to everything that we need to stay the way it is. And if he gets back in there, it could all crumble. And then what would happen to us? We will save you from yourselves. That's what the mainstream media is. That's what they do. And the ironic thing is people have voted with their feet, their eyes, and their remotes, and they don't watch them much anymore. But when you see that 20%, 30%, Joe Biden has 33% approval rating, those are their people. Those are the people who have the talking points every single day when the news is squarely focused on A, B, and C, they're up there with talking points D, E, and F every single day. You can count on it. You can set your clock to it. It's quite unbelievable. I want to take a quick phone call here before we go to a break. Chuck, thank you for calling Nanny Fry Show. What do you think about Iowa caucus results, President Trump? Is this Trump 2016, 2020, or something different? No, this is uh, something different. You know, I'm glad that he uh, took first place, and he's going to continue doing that. And I'm hoping and praying that he'll be put rightfully put back in as a president. But one thing that really, really impressed me about him is that he didn't come up with all that smart stuff, you know, smart aleck talk and, yeah. and all that childish stuff. If he could learn, and I pray that God teaches him this, to keep his stinking mouth shut on stupid issues where the press will get him in a stupid little argument over nothing. Mm. He's got to prove he's the, the last word or something, and that's so childish. But I hope that he's uh, learning things and maybe going through court is teaching him how to maybe <laughs> keep his mouth shut. I, I don't think so. <laughs> Wouldn't that be the greatest irony of ironies, Chuck, if – Court is what told him to sit still and choose your words carefully. Chuck, thank you for the phone call. I really appreciate that. What a great call. Uh, Tim called in to say he didn't want to go on the air, but Tim called in to say that Trump is acting differently than he did during the 2016 and 2020 elections. He's acting, this is what he said, quote, he is acting like a proper politician without actually being a politician, end quote. End of quote. To quote Joe Biden. <laughs> acting much more professionally than he has in previous elections. We're seeing it, folks. Can it stick? Can it stay? Well, I sure hope so. And uh, like like Chuck said there, I'm going to I'm going to say a prayer that it continues to do so. All right. Let's take a quick break. When we come in, uh, come back. Ryan Wiggins in studio with us once again. He's going to do a little Wiggins America on the seven essential teen dating rules and how to discuss them. How do you talk about dating with your teens? 
You may remember having to do this. You may never have talked about dating with your teens. Wiggins America to give us the 2024 version of what we need to know. We'll be right back. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Wiggins! Oh! Wiggins! All right, guys, what I have for you today is essential teen dating rules and how to discuss them. And, of course, this changes with time because of technology and because of the way the world works. So uh, let's go through a few of these. And in context here, it says to first explain to your kid why you're having these conversations. The Empathize. Well, it gets into that, and it's it's really up to you. Uh, I'll, I'll actually start with that one because it says, number <laughs> one, decide on an appropriate age that your teen can start dating. So whether you're having this conversation right then or beforehand, it's really up to you. It says research shows that the average age for girls to start dating is 12 and a half. Wrong. While the average age for boys is 13 and a half. Extra wrong. No. It's got to depend on your definition of dating. I was just going to say, what are we talking about? Texting each other? And It probably does mean that at this age because they're definitely not going and seeing each other that often. One of the great benefits of sending my children to a parochial school Lutheran for us, but I'd imagine it's similar if you're at a, uh, you know, non-denominational Christian, whatever, Catholic, probably, is that by the time they get into sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, they've been with each other for so long, not interested. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like your brothers and sisters yeah. a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, you'll be lifelong friends with them in many regards, but True. We, haven't, we haven't dealt with that quite yet, so. Uh, at, at what age... Do you start to deal with this? What what age do you think that dating starts to be okay in the traditional sense? Maybe not in the just the texting phase. I mean, high school. I think I had my first boyfriend the summer after eighth grade, but it was like ridiculous. Right. <laughs> but I gotta start somewhere. I don't want it you don't want their first boyfriend or girlfriend to be like super serious. <laughs> exactly. You don't want it to be like that. Mm-mm. Yeah, I was uh I was quote unquote dating starting in about third or fourth grade. I'm sure you were. I, I mean, I, I had <laughs> girlfriends, and I would tell people, oh, well, I have a girlfriend. Were yeah. they real? They were real people. Did they know? They knew, but they I'm agree? not sure. So here's what happened. So did they the live series? in a different town? At that, No, 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 no. <laughs> At that age. At be- the summer camp. Between three, four, you know, sixth grade, right in there. Um, all the dating is somebody walks up to somebody else and goes, so-and-so has a crush on you. And you go, oh, yeah? I guess I could be their boyfriend or girlfriend. And then they walk away, 
and then you never talk to that person for a few months because it's too awkward. Ethan <laughs> says in our private chat on the show here, you dirty dog, Wiggins. <laughs> <laughs> I had conflicting messages because I was told by relatives of mine at holidays, he'd be like, hey, you out there, lady killer? You out there? You got, got a lot of girlfriends? And I was like, am I supposed to have a lot of girlfriends? I thought I was just supposed to have one at a time. I'm not really sure. But I don't know how was... your family rolls. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this says that 12 and a half for girls, 13 and a half for boys. And of course, what does dating mean? Are these conversations that you're having actively in your house? Um, well, <laughs> out of respect to my children. You don't have to say who and what, <laughs> no. but just. I've told, I've told both of my older children who are 14 and 11 that it's okay to to have crushes and like it's okay to have feelings about that it's okay like we don't i i want to stress to them that they can talk to me about that um they can talk to their dad about it and we're not going to make fun of them it's not something that is we're just not going to tease them Mm -hmm. that's good that's that's good it says your teen number two your teen's relationship should be healthy so even though you may really wish that you could play matchmaker and choose your child's Partner, I, these words are we so adult. We are really into arranged marriages. <laughs> that isn't always how it works. It says you can't control who your teen ends up being interested in, but you can do your help best to help guide them. There have been. Uh, my son is a handsome young man, and there have been some interested parties, and I have had to teach him that while people may tease him, not because it's not really about. The interested party, it's just about teasing him. It's just an opportunity, you know, amongst peers to tease. That you have to be respectful of those people. And I understand that you're getting teased about it. I understand that some people might find an opportunity to joke about it. But that those, those girls that like you, they have real feelings. And if you are trying to push back on the teasing, make sure that you square that pushback with where it belongs, not against the girl. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because that's one of the things I remember from being at that age is that not only would other kids tease you a little bit, but I remember adults doing that a little bit to me and treating it like it was funny. And I I always felt a little weird about that because I'm like, well, this is, I don't really know how to feel about this in the first place. And you certainly, if you're getting teased about it, you're certainly not going to have questions and then go to people who have been teasing, teasing you about you. it. So that's that's a big no in our house. Yeah, I just kind of didn't know what to do with it. And so I, I remember that enough to think, <laughs> oh, I'm going to, for my kids, at least keep the door open. And if it's funny, it's funny, but let's not, like, really tease them. Another really big difference between how we were raised and how our children are being raised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's generational. You're um, making them soft. <laughs> it, it's also true. <laughs> Be cautious, and this one's very, very new, of course. Didn't, we didn't have to deal with this when we were kids. Be cautious about virtual world dating. Things like sending private text messages uh, and what you put in those text messages should be discussed. And think about what you're sharing on social media. I want to talk more about this in the 2 o'clock hour. There's so much here. Because I have a lot to say about it. Like, for instance, I'm going to say this, and then we're going to basically have to go to break. Yeah. But your kid is going to be asked to send naked pictures of themselves. Mm-hmm. I, don't e- I, don't even, like, I don't even think you understand that they might not even be 10 when they're asked to send pictures of themselves. It has, just, to be, it has to be addressed. It has to be addressed. Well, and, and they, don't, they can't even—the the kids who are asking 
have been asked and are doing what people are doing. They have no idea. Yeah. It's outrageous. This which is why when I'm so militant about the phone thing, I've we have we have I've spoken about this a lot. We have these two extra phones. They will if we are at an event or something like that and they're going to depart from us and be in different places, we will have that they're allowed to text their friends. There's no social media. They can't log into anything and communicate anywhere else. I will check their text messages many times before they even know that their text messages are there to check. Majorly intrusive. Deal with it. And I've never, I haven't come across anything with my kids that's too terribly damaging, but there have been things that have had to be addressed. And look, one thing I want to add before we get to the top of the hour here is if you are a parent and you feel really weirded out by these conversations, do it anyway. Oh my god. Just gosh. do it. That's why I want it's to talk gonna, about it. More it's going to feel hour. weird, but you got to just do it. All right. Well, let's let's put a pin in that till two o'clock. In the next hour, Jim Carafano and Tyler Boyer. Don't go away. Get more at 971talk.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.